Hello and welcome to the Bill and Bear Crypto Podcast. My name is James Gore and this is episode number 355 for the 26th of August. It's been a while since we've done one of these, been quite some time. Going to be just jumping into news. I'm changing the structure of the show. Um, it's been a while, but um, all the technical analysis is going to be done in separate videos. So if you're watching the video version of this over on YouTube, or if you're listening to the audio version on, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, on YouTube, I've uploaded five different videos today. I've done Bitcoin, Neo, Cardano, Binance, and VeChain price analysis. If you would like to get some updates on those particular cryptocurrencies, you can just watch those videos. It's all up on the channel and has a separate playlist as well, which I'll be adding to over time. So I can just segment out the technical analysis versus the news portions on this channel. Um, and if you would like me to cover any news or technical analysis for any of your favorite cryptocurrencies do leave a comment in this video below or on any of those videos and i'll get to it in the next one especially if there's quite a few of you asking for the same coins and also commenting does help with algorithm as well over on youtube but let's jump into the news today firstly we're going to be covering just some overall general health of the market at the moment just to take a look at where things are there's a bit of a balancing scale not balancing scale yeah scale in terms of um uh, bitcoin being sent to exchanges but then also stable coin reserves on the exchanges and just total exchange balances um being re relatively large so just to cover this article stable coin reserves hit a new all-time high what does it mean for bitcoin's price i'm not going to jump into the article but historically um, an increase in stable coin reserves and exchanges is a leading indicator. So that means something that happens before we see a reflection in price, which indicates to us that price direction for BTC and for the cryptocurrency space as a whole trends upwards. So that's a very useful on-chain metric to kind of help um, give us a bit of a picture and idea of which way price will be going in the next couple of weeks. That being said, the reason why I did say it's like a bit of a scale has to be a bit of a balance because as we have seen bitcoin um being sent to exchanges relatively recently uh in higher than expected numbers um, i've had a few alerts go off the past couple of weeks as well with this but nothing too crazy you 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 kind of have to weigh those two things against each other stablecoin reserves versus what's being sent to exchanges as well which is btc so it could be just some people that have been rotating out so sending some btc to exchanges um cashing out because they expect maybe a temporary pullback in the market so they can take those funds take those profits move it into altcoins or they could just be looking to buy bitcoin at a lot of price um because we're not seeing uh you know we're not seeing um stable coins or cash reserves and exchanges kind of uh stay the same or reduce so that's interesting to kind of pay attention to it's signaling that price will be moving upwards the next thing i'd like to cover as well just a general uh theme that we're starting to see so there was a survey suggesting that americans prefer investing in cryptocurrencies rather than etfs and there was actually another statistic that I heard from Anthony Pompliano's show, uh, the best business show. I don't really get to watch the whole thing, but sometimes there are clips on YouTube which are pretty useful, um, which I do jump into. But he mentioned in one segment that, I think it was one of his segments, that 15% um, of Americans hold Bitcoin and 50% hold stocks. So 15% is quite a significant number considering, you know, Bitcoin is 10 years old. If you would have asked, 
and this is all americans not just you know americans under the age of 30 which i think numbers are more around 40 to 60 percent i haven't checked that statistic for about a year or so or six months to a year it's been a while but that's still a relatively high number considering the age age range we have of, of uh, americans now america is just one market but it is kind of the leading market in the west when it comes to trading investing as well so it's really um, worth paying attention to but the poll was uh, performed by cnbc and it revealed that 11 percent of americans have invested in cryptocurrencies in total the figure highlights a shift from traditional finance investment products like exchange traded funds that recorded a share of 10 percent the study was published on the 23rd of August and indicates that stocks at 31% are the top investment product, followed by mutual funds at 25%, while 12% of Americans own bonds. The survey was conducted between August 4th to 11th, 2021, sampling feedback from 5,530 adults. I think that's a very uh, good sample size, relatively high. It's interesting that 12% of Americans own bonds, considering bonds don't really have a significant uh, yield, at least in this market cycle. So I'm assuming that's probably, well, it depends. It depends on you know, their, their you know, investment approach. But think about it this way, 31% of Americans own stocks. Okay, 31% of Americans own stocks. 11% of Americans own or, in, or invest in cryptocurrencies so that's a factor of it's less than three to be fair so that's, that's not really that much of a significant difference between stocks versus crypto i could definitely see the cryptocurrency space slowly eating away at uh the stock uh, you know the share of the stock of people that invest in the stock market so crypto will become more popular because let's be honest there's a lot of cryptocurrencies that are just mean cryptocurrencies and a lot of stocks are just meme stocks that people invest in maybe they you know they go online see the whole amc thing um trying to short short the banks it's, it's basically a meme um how far off is that from having a narrative built up around certain cryptocurrencies that don't really have too much of a significant fundamental basis at just yet so they haven't actually produced anything but what they're looking to achieve sounds extremely promising um you know i think then they're not too dissimilar arguably one could even say that cryptocurrencies that have a promise of actually delivering something and are slowly moving towards doing so is probably much more of a, more of a reliable um or more more likely to see, give you some kind of return, a significant return compared to some of these meme stocks, because at least depending on where you move into the market or get or enter into the market, it'll be uplifted by the general market cycle. Okay, so you're you're, you're it's, it's it's pretty hard to lose money in crypto if you have decent timing, and timing's based around a four year cycle. Um, so very very interesting data here, very interesting. But we're going to move on to the Arc Invest article which i found this very interesting because it's, a, it's a, i mean again we're talking about time frames here and timing and this is this is the one thing which i you know helps helps me put things in perspective because it's not like what's being proposed is uh, could potentially be untrue so arc invest ceo says bitcoin is in capitulation phase still set for 500k so for uh, fame CEO of ARK Invest, Kathy Wood, has always been bullish on Bitcoin. The CEO early in the year had given what some would call an optimistic prediction for the asset, but Wood 
but to her, this is not too optimistic. When asked about her prediction, would explain that she and her firm still stand by the prediction of $500,000. So bear in mind, it's $500,000 per coin. There's not a time frame for this, but the point is, is that would it be unreasonable to assume that Bitcoin could reach $500,000 at some point in its history, maybe within the next 10 to 15, 20 years? Yeah. So that would be a factor of 10. That'd be, you know, we're around 50k at the moment. That'd be Bitcoin getting um, uh, a 10x from here. And it's the most, it's, 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 in the whole cryptocurrency space, because everything moves when Bitcoin moves, most generally speaking, it's probably the most reliable return of investment that you could kind of pay attention to. If you knew absolutely nothing about crypto, you, you probably should start a Bitcoin, to be fair. Um, just take a quick sip because my, my throat is um, a bit dry. But, um, you know, if you're seeking yield from crypto, most people, especially the most conservative, starts out with Bitcoin, and it's not unreasonable to assume that Bitcoin at some point in its lifetime is going to reach 100k, 200k. It's trend, it's on that trend at the moment. 500k is very possible. Um, so, what the, the the kind of thing I'm reminded by this is two things. Um, one, time frame is important. Having having a very long-term perspective of this space is important. One one of uh, one of the subscribers today commented on the video that he had a Cardano buy-in. Let me just quickly go to that video. He had a Cardano buy-in of around three point five cents. So it could be very tempting. For me personally, it'd be very tempting to uh, think about when am I going to cash this out. But Cardano's managed to last uh, a market cycle. I'm, I'm a technical trader, so of course things slowly drift back into the charts because that's how I relate to everything. But um, if we're just looking at Cardano, Cardano is one of the few cryptocurrencies that has broken out of, over its all-time high, absolute all-time high. If we take a look at, at Ada versus BTC as well, um, it's almost uh, approaching... It's still got some way to go, but it's it looks like it's trending towards breaking above its all-time high versus the Bitcoin pairing, which is really what you want from a cryptocurrency. But even even still, regardless, it looks extremely strong at the moment, um, and it's and it survived the market cycle, which is what you want. You want these coins that if you are going to invest in over the course of you know beyond the four-year cycle, you want them to last um, a market uh, a Bitcoin market cycle, which is four years. So. If you're holding a coin that's done exceptionally well, it's lasted this market cycle. It's probably going to last another market cycle. If you have really good entries, then you know I wouldn't sell. You know I wouldn't sell. So if you're holding Bitcoin, you think how long would it take for it to reach 500k? How 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 much Bitcoin can I acquire? How much crypto can I acquire during that time um, before Bitcoin really stabilizes with regards to price? Because you know when Bitcoin reaches 500k, if it does, to be fair. Um, how volatile the price movement is going to be? Probably not extremely volatile compared to, um, I'm talking for a percentage basis here, not a numerical value. Percentage basis probably going to be relatively stable, similar to you know what we see with some forex currencies. Um, as things stable out, stabilize out, maybe if it reaches a million, probably more so. But um, 
you know, it's if you can just lower your time preference and have a really long term vision, you're basically set if you can be patient um, without having with, and having very little investment, especially if you're new to this space. If you only joined this space in 2017, um, you know, I'd, I'd consider that new because that's the third market cycle. Or if you join this market cycle, I'd say that's new, probably that's new. Um, then, you know, you're probably going to be doing really well if you can just resist selling resist selling that was the first lesson the second lesson is don't be greedy okay so you have let's assume let's assume bitcoin doesn't reach 500k uh bitcoin reaches half of that 250,000, which is again not completely unreasonable and it does so within not this market cycle but the end of the next market cycle the market cycle after that if you had a guarantee not a guarantee but if you had a 90% um, certainty that was going to happen, would you sell your Bitcoin or try to double up on your Bitcoin um, if you're not super experienced by selling someone trying to buy lower? That's quite a risky strategy because you could ultimately fuck that up just through timing because, you, you know, you know it can be tricky. So that if you don't have that much experience, um, you know, doing so. Um, and it could mean that you would end up with having less Bitcoin than you originally would have if you just bought and hold and just added to it over time. So with regards to trading and investing, the, the approach I have is that I have a Bitcoin stack that I never touch. That's for my like kids and future generations. Um, that's offline. And then that's something that I contribute to over time. I have dollar cost averaging that I also contribute to two different stacks over time. One is the offline stack and one is the current mar market cycle stack. And that's just insurance. It means that whatever I do, I know I'm going to be um, increasing my uh, my Bitcoin and Ethereum because I, I do it with Ethereum as well, Ethereum stacks. Um, and then I have a current market cycle stack. So it's kind of like the hot Bitcoin wallet um, where I'm trying to trade my Bitcoin to earn more Bitcoin, more BTC. Um, and that's that's never more than, you know, 10 to 15 percent maybe 20 percent of what i'm willing to have outside of my uh cold storage so even that's kind of it depends it depends because it's spread across a few exchanges and sometimes like my ftx uh my ftx wallets probably been the most dominant in this market cycle whereas last market cycle was binance doing most of my trading on ftx because i like the i like what they have and then I kind of siphon that off between cash and BTC, depending on how I'm feeling. But um, I'm never risking with my trading anything that's going to significantly uh, hurt my, you know, like long-term goals with, you know, with what I'm holding. So if you are looking to kind of double up on your BTC, I would never try and do it with anything significant that's going to really hurt you if you fuck up. So... So, and even so, and just to kind of pass this out further with the 20% that I actually have hot on exchanges, I'm still using, um, like my swing. Let me just, I don't think I've actually showed anyone this because let's log into my website, Bill and Bear Crypto. I'm still using my position size calculator, which basically lets you work out how much you should um, allocate per trade. So. I think only like a small percentage of you have access to this because I don't, 
open up the members site anymore. So sorry if you're if you're a member then cool. If you're not, probably not gonna be a member for a while. But on the website, I have a position size calculator in the membership area. So you can work out, for example, if you have 25 grand sitting on Binance, for example, you can work out your entry, your stop loss, your exit price, how much leverage you're going to use. For example, eight times leverage, whatever, 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 blah, 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 blah. And then what it tells you is how much capital, how much uh, is capital's risked, much margin, how much of your position uh, you can allocate to, you should allocate to this trade based on your entry stop and exit price. And that's still of that 20%. So I'm never really risking uh, 20% of my total crypto holdings. It's still of that 20%. I still adhere to the, the, the typical trading rules that you should adhere to. What I might do guys, if you have any interest in, in accessing this, just let me know because I think this is behind a, a paywall. Um, but I'll just open this up just for you guys to use if you are interested in this. I know some websites have, some exchanges have position size calculators like uh, Finex. I haven't used Finex for a while, so I don't know if it's still there. Uh, Bytebit used to. It kind of hid, was, got hidden away and then the UI changed a few times. And I stopped trading on Bytebit because I, I wasn't having a fun time on that exchange. Um, it's just kind of limiting versus some other exchanges that have more products. But let me know. Comment in the video below. If you are watching this, or if you are listening to this on Spotify, then this could be beneficial to you. So do take a look at this in the video. But but yeah, this, this is just the lessons I've learned from uh, reading some articles which have helped help give me perspective. Okay, last 13 minutes. I'm going to smash through the rest of the articles. So Chinese Bitcoin miners come back online around the world, resuming heavy competition with US counterparts. So... Let's quickly take a look at hash rates because let's see if I have Clark Moody's dashboard online. Let's see. So we're looking at Clark Moody's dashboard. I'm just looking for, because I haven't used this for a while, for hash rates. Or maybe if I type in Bitcoin hash rate. Charts, bit info charts. There we go. So if we just take a look at the uh, Bitcoin's hash rate hit, what's very funny about Bitcoin's hash rates and people being concerned about China's mass exodus. Uh, for, you know, when was this? Don't really have decent dates on this. So this was in May. To the May May was the peak for Bitcoin hash rates. Take a look, 197 ETA hash, and it dropped to 68, which a lot of people were concerned about because it's such a dramatic drop. But realistically speaking, if we go back to July 2019, which was only a few years ago, this is exactly where the Bitcoin hash rate was back then anyway. So it's not like the Bitcoin network was at risk of being unsecure during this time. So this is this just is a testament to how strong Bitcoin really is. But the hash rates recovered and we saw a recent peak of 142 at a hash. So that's only, uh, you know, it's only 50 hash away at a hash away from, uh, our most recent peak. So it's recovered. And, you know, there was a lot of concern that 
no, the Chinese government's going to be doing dodgy things. Um, and we saw, to be fair, we saw Bitcoin miners getting completely trampled over by uh, uh, by those machines that kind of flatten the flatten the roads. I can't remember what they're called at the moment. My brain's going a bit silly. But um, so 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 mining hardware was being destroyed, but we also had, saw a mass exodus of the hardware as well. So this is just a testament to the resiliency of the network itself. And Bitcoin isn't just a speculative asset that people trade. It isn't just an investment asset as, a, as an inflation hedge. It's also a technology and underlying technology. Um, un underlying technology is the network itself and the decentralized nature of it. And it's just a testament to how, you know, how strong the network is. So um, hash rate has been a recovering um an interesting rate and it's mostly been Chinese hardware that's been shipped to uh, other other locations so it's probably at the detriment to China to be fair uh, in the long term uh, with regards to their loss of, of hash rates but it's kind of good because it means in terms of Bitcoin coming under a speculative attack or um, a 51% attack or any kind of chain reorganization um, it's highly unlikely it's going to be coming from China or possible at all at this point because they just don't have the hash rate anymore for it to happen so this is a good thing uh, in the long in the long run for BTC um, and as you guys know or may not know um, I mine Bitcoin remotely through compassmining.io I have no partnership with them I recommend that if you are interested in doing that that's kind of waking it off, off the ground and it's a way to get KYC free BTC um, if you wanted some, um, but it's just a way to kind of get bit, bit, another way to get Bitcoin, uh, which I've discussed before from the channel. Um, let's keep cracking along. So we're going to move on to a few different cryptocurrencies, Cardano being one of them, FTX news. There's some FTX news as well. But what, what are the things that drive or what are the indicators that we can look at that helps drive price is Google search trends, uh, Google keyword searches. Um, how often is a cryptocurrency search for on Google last month compared to this month, et cetera, et cetera. So the keyword by Cardano has hit a three month high on Google trends on keyword search rather. Most of the interest is coming from Lebanon, Qatar, Slovenia, Singapore, and Lithuania, followed by the United States, which I found very interesting. And it kind of goes to show you that these markets, you know, when people think cryptocurrency is a global a global, um, uh, you know, borderless um, phenomenon, isn't it? Um, but we really started seeing a peak from the 17th onwards in the last 10 days. So we're likely to likely see even more of a push up as well um, relatively soon with Cardano. But again, if you haven't seen my Cardano video, I, I do recommend watching it because I give you some uh, levels to play with. And expecting a bit of a pullback and, you know, I think I said in the video 1.8, 1.9 kind of makes sense looking at volume profile visible range and some previous price history. And then we can bounce off that to, you know, new all-time highs if we are going to reach new all-time highs if the market continues to trend in the way it does. But um, Charles Hoskinson has come under some criticism recently over his most recent partnership, a bit of backlash from Weiss foundation so Weiss ratings i've covered this ages ago on the channel they basically in the traditional space rate um how you know how investment worthy um a particular stock is or asset is they now have a cryptocurrency division 
And what was very interesting was, I think this was, you know, during last market cycle when they were announcing um, their ratings, we took a look at their ratings and we looked at their performance, the cryptocurrency's performance, and they were exceptionally wrong. <laughs> so it's quite funny. And, you know, everyone's going to have an opinion, but I don't think that Wee's, you know, Wee's rating should be, you know, not should be should be paid too much attention to but the criticisms they had for card for cardano is actually quite fair and pretty much not just a criticism for cardano but any cryptocurrency that isn't completely decentralized so their criticism of cardano was with their recent partnership because cardano foundation announced that it's um uh, going to obviously comply with AML anti-money laundering measures by partnering with blockchain analytics provider Confirm. So blockchain, you know, chain analysis firms, some people have a strong stance against them because people have different views in this space of what crypto should and shouldn't be. Some people think that applying traditional financial rules like KYC, know your customer, and AML, is it going to be exclusory because the whole unique and beauty, unique aspect and beauty of cryptocurrency, Bitcoin specifically, um, mostly, is that it doesn't require you to have any KYC, doesn't require you to have to comply with any, you know, third party to send value over the internet to someone if you wanted to. Now, the argument against that is that it fuels things like terrorist financing, uh, money laundering, um, uh, you know, criminal activities, etc., etc. But we've had research done into the cryptocurrency space from a few different places, one of them being chain analysis firms, and we've discovered that it's less than, you know, less than a couple of percent of on-chain activity is actually deemed to be traditionally illegal activity. So most people are using cryptocurrency to do good things as what you would typically expect. So do we really need AML KYC for cryptocurrency? Well, I think we we probably can't avoid it for most for most cryptocurrency projects. Bitcoin is the only exception I can see because from a technological perspective, it's it's it doesn't have a a, a single point of failure in terms of an individual that or an organization where you can say, hey, you you need to stop what you're doing and you need to comply with AML and KYC laws. Now, what is happening is that the, the kind of secondary layer around that, which is anyone that provides, um, you know, cryptocurrency services like Bitcoin ATMs, cryptocurrency exchanges, et cetera, et cetera, they have to comply with AML and KYC laws. Um, so it's almost in, inescapable, but for the people that really want to get KYC free BTC, which I literally just told you how to do, so one method uh, for you, um, which I, th I don't think is such a bad thing. Um, they can get it, but really the KYC and AML, AML stuff is really harming people that are unbanked ultimately at the end of the day, people that don't, you know, people, there's, there's people in countries where they can't even walk into the bank because of the way they're dressed, because they're not, they don't have enough money to, um, kind of participate in that, that kind of part of society. Um, they're not presentable enough to even be allowed into the bank like that's that's the kind of thing we're talking about but they still have access to a phone they still have access to um not a super smartphone but a phone that can send um money and we saw that in africa 
which interestingly enough is where Cardano has been focusing a lot of their attention on. We saw that in Africa where people were already having local currencies where you were transacting value over text message. This wasn't even cryptocurrencies. This was just um, how they were transacting value. So the network is already there. The mobile phone's already there. That's just an example. But who would who would these uh, chain, chain analysis firms really be harming? Well, they'd be harming the people that would be directly benefit benefiting from cryptocurrency in the first place um, from a non-investment yield uh, benefit uh, aspect, but from a I can transact value to my family in another country or I can receive money from my family abroad to help me here locally. I can run my business here, start my business here because I can transact value freely with, lo with local people. Uh, my Maybe my currency is hyperinflationary, so I can't really use it. But if I did have something that was uh, more stable, but not as stable as the dollar, but more stable, then I can be able to have more of a economic, secure economic future. And you know, I think this criticism from Reese Ratings is actually fair, but it doesn't just apply to, to Cardano. It applies to every single cryptocurrency because all cryptocurrencies, because you have to act, uh, buy them from uh, exchanges, typically most of the altcoins, um, they're all going to be falling under this basket of coming under scrutiny from chain analysis firms. So all Cardano has done is done something that's, overtly obvious whereas all the other cryptocurrency projects are doing it not actively doing it but it's something that's just not overt but it's still there so there's no difference really it's just that cardano's complying which probably means they're going to be able to have more corporate adoption because they're being seen to cooperate with um uh chain analysis firms so that's my two cents um i don't think it's going to affect price whatsoever which is what Reese Ratings is really about. They're really about yield and price. They're not really. They don't really care about anything else. So I think it's kind of a, kind of a pointless thing from them. They're just doing it to kind of do it. So last few pieces of news. I'm going to smash through. Microsoft gets patent approval for service that allows users to create crypto tokens. So I think this is probably going to be more so geared towards NFTs, even though they haven't said it. Um, because NFT market is very hot and having non-fungible tokens from users that can create stuff, for example, in games or just literally anywhere, um, is not only very hot right now, but is going to have a uh, long lasting effect in this space. I'm not talking about it's, you know, the, the numerical value behind these NFTs. I'm talking about, um, people having interest in them. So it wouldn't be unreasonable to assume that, uh, Microsoft's ledger is going to not only be allow allowing you to create tokens maybe for you know uh, particular companies but also nfts etc etc so they can cap capitalize on some of that market share next up we touched upon this briefly but crypto is fueling crime according to participant of biden's cybersecurity meeting so we're having a few interesting things happening in the states right at the moment with regards to cryptocurrencies we're having um i think they're pushing through some uh something right now which can potentially negatively impact cryptocurrencies um but you know when when we see uh articles like this or or not articles like this but reports from people in authoritative positions of government especially uh government that has a strong influence on global financial law from a again kyc aml perspective um it's interesting to note how 
willfully ignorant they must be or corrupt they must be because there's so much data out there that denotes the opposite of what they're saying for example crypto is is mostly used for crime or is fueling crime um that there must be some kind of ulterior motive it's so it's, it's, it's so it's just you, it's, it's 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 so obtuse because we have such a body of data from the literal firms that'd be getting the data from the chain analysis firms they'll be getting this data from because these are the firms that are providing the data it's relatively public data uh in some regards i think we have i can't remember the chain analysis analysis firm that they, they provide their data publicly um but either they're completely ignorant and really are just saying things without looking at the data which i wouldn't be surprised by because a lot of people in in these positions has someone working for them that just writes a report and does it for them and then you have to kind of basing your decision making process on someone writing a report and giving you kind of the, the cliff notes of the information and you just have that report that you can refer to or there is there is some kind of ulterior motive which i think is more likely which is grasping for control over a particular sector that is um growing so the good thing is is that it ultimately doesn't matter because yes regulation could come could kind of slow things down but you can't stifle innovation you can but all that will happen is uh this particular um so for example this this so for example wyoming is a perfect example um of, of a state in, in america that's been very open to cryptocurrency and trying to have as much of a hands-off approach as possible it would just mean that if we start to see regulation in majority of american states all the businesses are going to swarm and move to wyoming or texas or wherever there's more favorable regulation and all the other states are going to suffer that works on a kind of state level but it also works on a countrywide level where if america starts implementing all these dr draconian uh overreaching uh innovation stifling uh laws for the protection of people of what people who knows um all it means is the rest of the world benefits we're seeing this with with um the hash rate in china it's i think honestly thinking about how things are trending i'm i can see eastern europe um and some place some other places in europe obviously asia asia is a hotbed of innovation at the moment with regards to cryptocurrency space um but i can see eastern europe having kind of a revitalization in terms of uh from a technological standpoint um because just due to just due to regulations and then being much more uh open to uh innovation and driving their local economy through uh innovative technologies such as cryptocurrency it's kind of in in on not inescapable unavoidable that crypto space is going to be playing some kind of interesting part in the future but it it seems like it doesn't it so why wouldn't you be as welcoming as possible um unless you have an ulterior motive so you know when has innovation ever done ever, ever suffered from uh you know um governments overreaching overbearing um so moving on last few pieces of news metamask is open to creating its own token so 
when I say that, I don't know if you guys have seen this article, but when I say that, what could you imagine the MetaMask token possibly doing, realistically speaking? Because MetaMask is an app that allows people to use and interact with uh, the Ethereum blockchain. I think, I'm not sure if it allows you to inter interact with other blockchains as well, because I haven't really used MetaMask for a while. Um, because there's always some kind of security issue with MetaMask, and it's the fact that it, ha it requires you to have it installed in the browser for me personally just doesn't make it really secure. I would never have anything too too crazy in MetaMask, but it's, it's nice to experiment with. But you know, they have they basically said they have no immediate plans. But what what could you imagine MetaMask's use case be? So a token when i when i think about this i can't imagine the things it just doesn't make sense to me it's it'll be kind of a pointless token but uh eric mark senior software engineer stated that the project is absolutely open to the idea of making the project community owned um he added stating the team doesn't want to create a token that doesn't have a use case role the team wants to, the use case to be compelling um and he also expressed that concerns about the possibility of pump and dump which is unavoidable in, to be fair depending on token economics when you launch the coin but eventually it will be uh, if it's relatively new, will be at uh, the behest of the crypto crypto markets because that's what happens in free free open markets or a more free open market. Um, but looking for an ICO that would benefit the community because it would immediately pump, but also express concerns that some people would sell it and it would be dumped. Yeah, that's kind of a kind of um, obvious kind of thing. So they they're basically saying they're open to it, but they don't really have any significant use case. So it's kind of like if you guys can think of use for, use case for MetaMask, do leave a comment in the description box below, in the comment box below, because I personally can't. May, I'm, my brain's just not there at the moment. Uh, maybe I'm a bit close-minded with that. But I, I am kind of very adverse to um, cryptocurrency tokens for the sake of the token. Like, what's the point? It needs to do something very specific um, other than pay the developers you know if they if they want support then they can you know they make money through metamask anyway but if they want support they could just ask for people to donate as well kind of like a wikipedia thing or like bitcoin devs thing that's something that's very possible but uh, i don't think the way to do that is through a cryptocurrency i think the way to do that would be either through fiat um because it also makes paying them easier because there's more traditional systems to do so we can have recurring paying recurring billing or just crypto which is fair so that's it for today's video guys slash podcast slash audio if you're listening to this thank you so much we'll be coming at you with uh more of these relatively soon i hope you have an amazing day again don't forget to check out the the technical analysis videos i will be looking to drop some more videos with you soon and um, if you do want to reach me reach me over on twitter and also please do um, make sure that um, when you get the chance head on over to twitch um because when i reach I'll say 100 subs on Twitch. I'll start live streaming regularly over there um, just because it would be nice to have multiple platform platforms as a bit of insurance. But yeah, hope you have an amazing week. I shall catch you very soon in the next video. Wishing you guys all the very best.